everyone. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, your favorite podcast where we talk about all things and all books from the TikTok universe. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Miss Hilda. Hello. And Miss Bridget. Hi. And today we are covering off on The Plated Prisoner, book two. So this is part of the Plated Prisoner series by Raven Kennedy, Raven Kennedy, and we are kicking off on book two. Uh, so Hilda had just finished reading this. Bridget and I read this a couple months ago. So Hilda's going to lead us through the big recap to bring us up to speed, what happened, and then we'll deep dive into our thoughts as always. But if this is your first journey with us, I would say go back to the first episode and read um, the recap or listen to read. Look at me. <laughs> listen to the first uh, recap in this book, which is the episode prior to this. And always we start off with our spoiler warning. So if you haven't read this book and you don't want to know what happens, not the episode to listen to. But if you're down for a journey and to hear us cringe about flesh tentacles, oh. then this is the book for you. <laughs> it doesn't even, get better. Even in a text, Hilda texts that to us like, oh, flesh tentacles. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, all right. So before we kick off, we got some good feedback from a listener. You know who you are. And thank you. Um, who suggested that we do a 30-second book recap of the plot just to give you a, a base to touch to touch it on. So if you haven't read this book but you're still listening along and you kind of want to know, well, what's the whole book about in a nutshell, this is it. So this is your 30-second plot point recap of the book. So we last left. Arin had just met Commander Rip and was taken hostage. Um, she has been spending a lot of time in the camp with Commander Rip and his Wrath, which is his group of warriors, his innermost circle, basically. And she's kind of learning uh, and hearing things from this this group of warriors that maybe Midas isn't as good as what she thought. So she's slowly realizing that maybe the things he did were more for selfish reasons rather than her own protection. And at this point, she's still loyal to him. So the end of the book has uh, Commander Rip in his wrath delivering Orin back to King Midas. That's your 30-second recap. And then Hilda is going to kick job. us off on the deep dive. Yep. So here we go. Um, so before we get started, of course, I need to editorialize a little bit. Um, so it took me almost three weeks to finish this book. So remember last time we talked, I was like, oh, it took me a while to get into the book. But then towards the end it got really good. And I was like, Ooh, I got excited. But then I found myself in the same place where I was like, I read it. I was like, okay, cool. And then I put it down and then I don't think about it. I don't obsess about it. So I asked you guys this earlier, but I think it's valid. Is this what a healthy relationship with a book series is supposed to be? Unknown. Because <laughs> I'm totally all about the unhealthy relationships. Like I want to be obsessed. I want to be up until two or three in the morning um, reading. I want to like eat, sleep, breathe these characters. I want to be useless the next day because all I can think about is the plot of the book. So I'm really into unhealthy book relationships. I don't know. If I can't get into a book, I just don't read it. I just skip it. I just move on to the next. Well, or I force myself to read it, but I'll like speed read it. So I'm still reading it in the same time frame. I would have done it if I was obsessed. I, I don't think my book reading habits are healthy, so here we are. I don't know. Maybe this so is po the two points for an unhealthy relationship <laughs> is what we want in a book. Maybe maybe this is where I grow up and I start having healthy relationships with. Books. It. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, not interested in that. Because the um, last book of Zodiac Academy will come out in December, and you will binge oh, read it God. literally in two days, and then we won't stop talking about two it for six months. Days. Try like. 18 hours i'm not gonna i know i'm and assuming then it's gonna, gonna be a us. really huge book yeah like i need you guys to keep up with me because it's the finale and i'm gonna need to talk to somebody about it and i'm not that great with strangers please hold while i reschedule everything <laughs> reschedule rearrange you have your time December. to plan you have time to plan i feel like when a book is finished and i um the mark of a good book to me is when i need to discuss what just happened with someone and I didn't feel like this one – I had the need to discuss what happened. It was nice to touch in with Bridget because I was like, oh, okay, this happened. Um, 
<laughs> but it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like a oh my gosh we have to discuss the last sentence in this one book which I you think you finished the entire series and then I was like wait weren't you reading this book so what do you, I like actually had to check in with you because you're just like read it and I'm done moving on we, we, we did it we checked the box but yeah not to say that it's again it's not a bad book um and a lot of people really really like it but I just like I'm not obsessed. It's I not think top that's tier normal for, me. for people. Like yeah, it's um, I don't it's know. Like it's silver medal, silver me. silver medal. It's not. I think you're supposed gold. to like read books and then move on. Versus what we tend to do. I don't know because I've never had one, but I'm assuming that's how people read like a hundred something. That's books how normal a year. people do it. I don't know. Anyways, so <laughs> you guys let us know if you felt the same way. Okay, so let's get started because I have a lot of notes. Uh, so book two actually starts with Queen Melina's point of view. I already lost my oh, place. I forgot about that. Um, so remember that she's Midas's wife um, and she doesn't have any magic, even though she's the heir of the Collier dynasty, which has she's always ruled Sil- six kingdoms. Oh my God. So she's terrible. Melina's- she's like, you know how they like their kingdom, kingdom is all ice? And people in the north yeah, have she's to, like south. Queen. They have to like salt the rose so you can. Tr- she can like. She's filled with all that ice and salt. Oh. She, she is the worst. witchy. Yeah, <laughs> even though she's supposed to be <laughs> beautiful. Not to say that Tilda Swinton isn't like beautiful, but Tilda Swinton as what was it the Narnia? Yes, as the Ice Queen and like the Chronicles of Narnia. Like that's what I imagine. Melina looking like, sorry if you guys hear Toby in the background. Sorry if I got really excited over the fact that you were referencing Narnia. (laughs) You did. You did. Like, wow. Tell you, I watched the movie every couple of years. Stan much. (laughs) Um, So anyways, Melina is described as having super pale skin and white hair. I think this is actually the previous book. And she's beautiful, but she's just like cold. She's a cold hearted bitch. And also, I'm going to go out of order here because there's a whole sub subplot in this book uh, where she decides that she's going to take back control of Six Kingdom. Um, and she's going to basically try to have a bloodless coup behind Midas's back while he's off, you know, trying to, you know, be the regent of like Fifth Kingdom. So she starts by like she's wearing white instead of gold. And, you know, in the high bell court. Um, everybody needs to wear gold. Everything is gold, 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 gold. Um, but she starts wearing white. She starts wearing an opal crown, which was like her family's. She starts rebelling. Crown, yeah. Um, her guards are wearing like stainless steel armor. She's not letting messenger hawks go out to report back on the kingdom so that Midas doesn't know what's going on. She takes on her own male saddle named Geo. Geo, Geo. are we good with Geo? Is it that's J E O? Yeah. I mean, it was either that or Joe. So I'm going to go with Geo. You know, I don't recall how I was pronouncing this in my head. I guess Geo. You know, right. I really thought it was G I O, but I haven't read no, the book in months. It's J E O. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. J-O. Well, I accept this. I accept this. Joe. I'm going to say J O. J O. Geo. 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 Let's go with Geo. Are we going to pronounce the J as an H? Heyo? Geo? Oh. Okay, Geo. Jeff? Jeff? Geo? Honestly, I think when I was reading this, my mind just renamed him to Jeff. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I know I definitely renamed him because like, Geo's not sounding right, but I don't know. It what probably I thought was it was. <laughs> Did you guys think it was Joe? <laughs> It could have been. Maybe it was the O and the E. Honestly, maybe that's what it, I did. I definitely did not name call him Geo. This probably Joe. Joe. Okay. Let's just call him Joe for fun. Okay, we're gonna call him Joe. Um, so Melina's like, I'm gonna take back the kingdom, but you have to remember. So part of me is like, oh, good for you, Melina, because you know Midas is a jerk, but Melina's also a jerk. So She's like, a jerk. honestly, I just feel bad for the people of Highbell. Um. First, they got to deal with the ice and the snow. Then they have to deal with her and Midas. Ugh. Ugh. So must be a hardy people. They're just like 
Not bred for that kind of brutality. Midas and Melina are really jerks. Another thing about Melina is that she hasn't been able to give Midas an heir. So, like, that's problematic. Um, Not only to Midas, but she feels that, too. Um, Again, she doesn't really care about the people any more than Midas does. But she's going to try to, like, win them over. So she starts by, like, trying to make alliances with the other noble families um, to make sure they're on her side. Um, and she actually decides to go to the poorest part of town to hand out money and clothes and toys for the children. Um, but eventually there's like this really poor woman that like calls her out on her bullshit. And she's basically like, you didn't care about us before. You don't care about us now. Like take all your gifts and like flee. And so they basically like run her out of town. And so they're traveling back to Highbell Castle. Um, and they run into, I guess, a traveling sales fair. Yeah, I, so this yeah. guy, I feel, is going to be a, a big part of what's to come. Yeah, totally got that. Because, like I said, I'm kind of skipping around. Um, Melina's story is interspersed throughout the whole book, but I just wanted to get her out of the way. Um, get her out of and the so way. This happens right at the end of, well, towards the end of the book. Um, but essentially, the guy's name is Loth Pruin. Sure. Okay. I'm getting I, woo man. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I'm getting the woo woo man. <laughs> um, and so he like he was in the road blocking her, but like he apologizes and he wants to give her a gift because she's the queen. And so she sees that he has like all of like these trinkets and stuff in his carriage wagon, whatever. And so she asks him like, "Oh, what's your you know most valuable possession?" And he's like, "Well, it's my magic." And she's like oh, you have magic, what do you mean? And he's like, well, my magic, hold on, I wrote this down, is that he can show someone how to gain their greatest desire. So of course she's super intrigued because what does she want more than anything um, to get control of the kingdom again? Um, So like they hold hands and he makes this map materialize in her hand. Um, And so she's looking at it and she's like, no, dude, the map is wrong because it shows the seventh kingdom. And the seventh kingdom hasn't been around for like, 200 years and so he's like well are you sure about that and that's where this subplot ends so obviously more to come probably in book three but i just started book three so i don't know what's going on there's that okay so, so now we, we go back Malina to out of the way yeah i think she's interesting wanna... because sometimes when you have a bad male character they kind of have like a redeeming wife that you sort of feel compassionate for did mm-hmm. not give a shit about her I was like, no, no Midas is terrible. Your ass is terrible. Like, I, I wanted really to, like, champion her yeah. to some extent. Because you know what? Midas is a jerk and he's treated her badly. And, you know, even that whole scene where, like, she takes on the saddle and there, she's, like, mocking the advisor. Because obviously the advisors do not approve of her having her own male saddle. And so right. we go into the scene where he wants to support you. Yeah. The and human enemy's like, like, you're terrible. She's going through, like, her sexual awakening with the saddle. Clearly, Midas has never, like, pleasured her properly. She may be the problem why they're not having the babies. He's with Maybe. too many other saddles. Right. And so it's, like, not bringing like... the best swimmers to the table. <laughs> or any swimmers. Or any. Yeah. Okay. So we go back to Oren. Um, she's traveling with Fourth Kingdom's army. Um, she's still in her own carriage. She's really scared of Commander Rip. He has this aura that like overwhelms her. Bridget's giving me that look. Yep, I want to be overwhelmed by Commander Rip too. Um, and it's really sparking like these feelings in her that she doesn't know how to like process. But she's scared and she's tired and she's beat up. Obviously, because remember Captain Fane like kicked the crap out of her and like hit her a couple of times. Um, and so we're still in like the same night essentially um so they stop they make camp she's kind of allowed to walk around because rip tells her hey you're not stupid enough to escape because it's really cold and i will find you and she's like okay i want to be found by him um (laughs) her main mission at this point is to like find a messenger hawk so she can send it to midas to let him know 
that, you know, she's been captured. She's traveling with Fourth Kingdom's army. And they're making their way to, like, Fifth Kingdom, probably to start a war or whatever. So at this point, she's Um, still, like, over the moon with Midas. Lost that she is lost without him. mm -hmm. And... She is lost, basically, because Commander Rip has isolated her from the other saddles. So the travel, the team that she was with, I mean, even though they hated her, at least she was with other people who knew her. Now she's isolated in the camp. And I don't know if she's necessarily over the moon for Midas. I think she just thinks that he is the safe zone and she yeah. can find safety Maybe that's within him. Yeah. She feels safe with him still at this point. And, and loyal to actually, him. Yeah. And there's a flashback scene right at the beginning. Um, I can skip to that part um, where Midas and Aran are traveling on the road. And Caitlin, you had mentioned in our last recording that even though he saved her, he's always manipulated her into telling her that um, he's only safe. She's only safe with him. He's the only person that can keep her safe. And so I guess this is at the beginning of their relationship and they're traveling through Second Kingdom with some nomads and some nomad families. And so they go to sleep for the night. And at some point during the night, Oren wakes up to go to the bathroom and she leaves her tent. And she's basically attacked by this nomad family who like steal her clothes and cut her hair, obviously because, you know, she's made of gold. And so uh, Midas finds her and takes care of her, but he reinforces to her that other people um, want to hurt her and will always hurt her. And he's the only one that will keep her safe. I do Reminded like the way me a that lot they of a... unraveled oh, go ahead. her past. Sorry. I was going to say, I like the way that they unraveled her past throughout the book, like in little segments mm-hmm. here and there. Keeps you thinking. Yes. Um, so okay. take it away. Okay. So whatever. Oren's allowed to walk around. Like I said, she's trying to find the hawks. Um, she eventually like just makes her way to her tent where there's food. Um, there's a fire. There's like a pile of furs that she can sleep on. or a pallet, which I guess just like, I don't know, straw, something. I don't know. I know what a pallet is. I've heard it referenced a lot, but I don't know exactly what this pallet is made of. So she starts cleaning herself. Um, and so she's naked and Commander Rip walks into the tent and he sees hubby, her. Hubby, hubby. Um, and so he like leaves right away, but he sends a mender, i.e. a doctor, to come uh, look at her. And so she meets Hojat, who... Hojat? Spell it. H-O-J-A-T? Yeah, Hojat. Hoja? Nah, too much. <laughs> no, no need to get fancy. <laughs> Hojat. Okay, yeah, so he and- saw the mender because after he walked in, he saw all those horrific bruises yes, that Captain bruises. Fane had inflicted upon her. And then that um, classic male trope, it's like that, who hurt you? Mm-hmm. This book does hit a lot of my favorite tropes. It does. It does. It really does. This is why, like, why can't I get into it? It has, like, all the recipe for, like, what I like, but... I think you're too traumatized from the first book. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So, Hojak comes, and he tries to, like, help her, but she doesn't really let him touch her, but he's very, like, kind to her. Um, He himself is disfigured. I don't think they get into how, but whatever. He's really nice. She also discovers at this point that she's sharing a tent with Captain Reb. And so at first she's scared and thinks that he's like going to assault her. But he's basically like, uh, sleep in your pile of furs. I'm going to go sleep in my pile of furs. Basically, don't snore too loudly. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) And that's essentially the relationship they have the entire time they're together, sort of. I'll get there eventually. So Oren has freedom to walk around the camp. Again, she's just looking for the messenger hawks. But she also wants to know, like, where Midas's guards and the rest of the saddles are. And really, like, the entire book, with the exception of, like, the interspersed Melina scenes, is basically Oren making friends with, like, the different soldiers in the army. And so she meets Keg, the cantankerous cook, who starts oh, calling her guild. Yeah. He has a brother named Distill because his family owns... Was it a brewery in Fourth Kingdom? I thought that was hilarious. But he always makes sure to like feed her, even though like his food is terrible. Um, and they have a type of friendship. There's Lou, who's actually a female. I forget what Lou's like. Like steal a barrel of wine. Yes. So Commander Wrath has like his inner circle, which is called his Wrath. 
guy like likes his scary persona. Um, I get really excited when like the dark and gloomy like male character lead has a little click because I'm like, Ooh, do you enjoy that? Let's go. This is so much fun because they I usually enjoy- like ride on each other. Yes, I enjoy the witty banter that comes yes. with a moody boy click. <laughs> Absolutely. You have Lou, who's actually a female, which Orin's really like, what, there's women in, like, soldiers? She's like, you guys aren't, like, saddles. Um, and Lou's like, yeah, no, we defend the kingdom. And they're actually, like, the female regiment is, like, a formidable force. Um, there's Osric, which is the big, scary dude, really tall and muscular probably a giant in some way shape or form Orin has a weird relationship with him kind of but eventually they start he starts to like her there's judd who has like mustard yellow hair it kind of reminds me of the frat boy of the group Mm -hmm. um and so kind of skipping around but essentially they're all friends they all rag on each other and they all one of them was responsible for giving rip his nickname and so the reason that he's called commander rip is because he supposedly can like rip people's heads off their bodies but it's actually an inside joke between all of them and they all start cracking up because it's not true he doesn't actually do that but again there's there i loved that i love that fun fact the fact that we're like oh this big scary commander rip oh girl i just made that up (laughs) like he is not that scary he's not ripping heads off anyone's bodies it was sure he can he probably sure he can, can, but he doesn't. And actually, that's one of the things is that Fourth Kingdom, because of King Rot and his powers, is thought of, I guess, sort of like, I guess in book one, that's like barbaric. I was going to say, they definitely make it form. seem like it's barbaric. But like, the soldiers are nice. For the most part, they respect her. And I think um, this is she- where like, Orin's world starts to shift. Where exactly. everything she's been told this up to this point is they're barbaric, they're horrible. Commander rips re, rips people's heads off. King Rot, who they serve, sure, you know, brings back the army's dead bodies. They're rithered up corpses. That's how he got his name, King Rot. Mm-hmm. And so as she's meeting these people, she's realizing, oh, that's a made-up nickname. And these people that she thought were so scary aren't so scary. And, and they're nice my to just, her. They're, they, they treat me her. better than someone I love treats me mm-hmm. better. And that's where the that magic of Midas starts to unravel. Yeah. And so, you know, despite that, though, she always tells Rip um, that she's never going to betray Midas and that she's always loyal to him. Um, I know. She doesn't really explain why. But again, as we get parts of Oren's backstory throughout the book, we realize it's because in her mind, he has saved her from being, you know, a beggar child, um, and then, unfortunately, you know, a forced sex worker. And, um, yeah, she had it tough. Um, let me see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Another important point. Whenever she insults King Ravenger, people get really pissed at her. So King Ravenger is also was, King Rot. Yeah. That's King Rot's actual name. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. Um, okay, so blah, blah, blah. Rip knows um, that she's a fae, obviously. And there's actually a scene where she stumbles upon what she thinks is this army fighting for sport. Um, and so she sees that Twig, who's one of the servant boys and a really skinny servant boy, Twig. hence the name Twig, enters the ring. And so she thinks that, you know, they're going to beat up on him for fun. But it's actually it's a training session. And so she entered the ring and no one's allowed to leave the ring without like fighting. Rip is really like ripping into her essentially. Um, and he really is like forcing her to try to like embrace her inner fae um, and like use her flesh ribbons. And so he really, he pisses her off to the point where she does use them. Um, and so she kind of like is embracing her fae power. So she has that scene. Um, Appreciate your, really- your use of flesh ribbons there. Yeah, I can't say tentacles anymore. I think that that's a... to the listeners. It's forever going to be a thing. Yes. We'll try and save you where we can. Um, But I feel like that's a theme that carries on from this point on in the fight. Where Orin tries to save Twig and then she's in the fight club and has to embrace her inner fae is something that Commander Rip tries to 
get out of her this whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as a reader, you're like, okay, well, what, what else can you do? You're gold. You have flesh ribbons. Let's see the full extent of your power. Like you're just, you're playing at half, you know, half capacity here. I want to see what a full Orin does. And that's what is, I think King Rot, not King Rot. Doesn't she eventually like start training with them and stuff like that? She does. And they end up eventually training and she bonds. She bonds with the three of them um, with Osric, Lou, and Judd. Um, Not that. Welcome to my clique. Click, right, click. <laughs> nobody fresher than my clip. <laughs> so, at some point, Orin visits the saddle. I know that I'm totally going out of order, um, but really, she wants to visit the saddles. One, she wants to make sure that they're okay, but also she wants to make sure that um, Rissa isn't telling anybody about her power and what she saw. And so, Don't run your mouth, Rissa. Yeah, Rissa mm. stitches. Um, oh, and snitches get still- stitches. <laughs> <laughs> bitches also can get stitches. <laughs> Well, in this case, the snitch is the bitch. (laughs) It's kind of clear, though, that Rissa still doesn't realize that it's Oren that has the power and not Midas. Um, And Oren's okay with her thinking that. Um, But essentially, Rissa blackmails Oren. And she wants Oren to make her enough gold items so that she can sell them so she can buy her freedom and exit life as a saddle. So, like, honestly, like, Oren can't make any friends. I do feel bad for her. The homegirl's trying. She's like, she's trying with everybody that she has known in the past. And it turns out the people in the fourth army are the nicest to her and willing to open Mm -hmm. their arms to her. We're supposed to be the most barbaric, cruel people in the world. So hopefully that thing inside her head that they call a brain is working. I think too, Um, it's like they're battling misconceptions. So Oren knows one world the Saddles know another world where Oren's this highly praised thing. They know Midas loves her, but they don't really know how bad she has it. And so I think now their walls are starting to crumble and they're starting to realize maybe we actually need each other to survive. I say crumble like a tiny little speck like of Like there's a sliver, a crack. Like the Berlin also, Wall is very much not intact. willing to reach out and be that type of person. Mainly because they're mostly high all the time isn't there some like drug that they take that put them into some like sexual frenzy no just kidding i haven't not, gotten not that yet, far yet. if that's the case well thanks for ruining it bridget well i was just thinking like <laughs> drinking <laughs> i don't know kitty kitty <laughs> Not to go off on a tangent, but <laughs> we missed this like when we putting up did. number threes. I'm like, Mm-mm. <laughs> well, I was looking at her for confirmation because she just read the book and nothing. And then I look over to you and I see like a big old three, and I'm like, Fuck. Well, hold on, hold on. So when we re- we recorded um, our final takes on the War of Two Queens, we left out a really important part from the original recording, which was that. The spoiler that Bridget oh saw. God. I thought we had that in there. <laughs> Internet. No, we didn't leave it in there. Well, we we didn't re-record it. Um, whatever it was, Bridget was like, "Oh my god, it was like so traumatizing." And so I was like ninety percent into the book, and I was like, "What is it that you saw?" Like, I I'm like, chances are, if it's that big of a deal, I like already passed it. <laughs> Um, and I already know what it is. And so I'm like, what was it? And so Bridget was like, well, I saw that Poppy kills Isbeth. No, I just literally said, ding dong, the bitch is dead. And so and I was by like, that bitch, I mean, and, it- <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> so now I'm officially the spoiler queen of this group. My bad. <laughs> Just stop talking. <laughs> but that one, that one was totally my bad for forcing you to tell me. I mean, to be fair, you're 90% of the way book. Half, more than half the action in that book happened in the last, like, 8%. So, And I didn't know that because I didn't read the book yet. <laughs> oh, my God. The odds were in was... your favor, Hilda. They just, they didn't, exactly. they weren't that much in your favor. Um. Okay. So, Oren gets really sick at some point. Um probably like the flu or something. Um, and Hojat has to come take care of her. Um, but at this time she finds out that Mist, one of the um, 
saddles that hates her is pregnant. Obviously, she's probably pregnant with Midas's child, and so like Orin like loses it. Um, okay. Do you know I almost spoiled this for you last recording? <laughs> oh God, because I had to text Caitlin. I was like, "Yeah, isn't there someone <laughs> pregnant in this book?" <laughs> my god <laughs> Again, um, <we're> like, <laughs> so book two Bridget you now have to chat verify all of your thoughts with Caitlin <laughs> before you express them <laughs> okay pull up your, you have your Apple watch on this is great you can just get my notifications <laughs> yeah I'll be like yes or no <laughs> no context we're just not even going to repeat it just yes and no um and so she finds out that Miss is pregnant and she loses it. because She's like, I can't believe the man I love. Um, I can't have his child. Someone that doesn't love him the way that I love him is pregnant with his child. Um, and she's just like, she's having this meltdown. And Rip is actually really, he gets really pissed at her. Anytime that she shows any type of loyalty towards Midas. Because he's like, um, hello, can you not see that he's using you? Um, and he's like a big old him. walking red flag. Yeah. He doesn't love you. Um, I mean, he doesn't. He's not that frank and honest with her because then we probably wouldn't. I have want to say plot. at this point, didn't Rip and her start kind of like forming a relation? I want. I don't want to so, say like relationship, like they're dating, but like they've gotten on better than when it, during the fight club scene. It's clear that there is tension between Oren and Rip. He pushes her, but he challenges her in a good way. Um, he also start, starts calling her Goldfinch. Um, so that's her nickname, which is kind of cute. So Oren ends up getting better, and she goes to visit the Saddles, um, mostly to, I guess, go check on Mist. Um, but Polly comes out and accuses her of being disloyal to Midas, because all the Saddles know that she's been sleeping in Rip's tent. And so they think that, you know, she's now in a saddle relationship with Rip. Um, and so, you know, she denies it and she's so mad um, that she actually finds the messenger Hawks and she goes and she sends Midas a message about, Hey, fourth army's coming towards you. I'm with them. But when she does it, she feels really guilty because she's starting to care about the members of fourth army. And she just, she doesn't like being in the middle which is where yeah. she sees herself. Poppy really um, riles her up and gets under her skin about her disloyalty. And that's why yeah. she finally decides, fine, I'm going to prove that I'm loyal to Midas. I'm going to send this hawk and sneak past all the guards to do it because he protected me all this time. I can at least send him a hawk to warn him. I think it's her yeah. mindset. Um. So she goes back to the tent that she shares with Rip and Rip is there and he like asks her if she had a nice walk. Um, and he actually, he comes up to her and he grabs her throat. And so, like, she knows that he knows that she sent the hawk. And she thinks that he's, like, going to kill her and snap her neck. But he's actually, like, caressing her neck. But he kisses her. And she's like, whoa. But then he confirms to her that he knows that she sent the hawk and he, like, leaves the tent. So she's very confused by him. Because hot man that sends confusing mixed signals god that's never happened before i'm assuming she's sexually frustrated <laughs> probably that too she says more than once that um rip is hot um and she like just she mentions that she feels all of his energy and stuff and anyways it was like pretty i felt like a built-up scene it was the first it was time they're really scene. getting close to each other and you have this tension of does he know she sent the hawk? I don't know. But then it's revealed, yes, she yeah. did. And he knows that uh, she did. He knows. At least she no got the kiss. Else for you. Um, she did. Okay. I hope she felt, I know she felt guilty, but I, I hope that was like the last like moment where she's like, whose side am I on? No, because where she's do dumb. I go? Whose mouth do I fall on? The <laughs> dork. Um, okay, so they eventually cross into Fifth Kingdom. So Fifth Kingdom is cold, but it's not blistering, frozen Hothworld cold. Um, and so there's like water and beaches. Um, and there's a scene where she's walking around because she's actually a lot, a lot of freedom when she's with Fourth Army. Um, and 
she's walking on the rocks and she almost falls and Rip catches her. Um, and so they're kind of, she apologizes for sending the hawk and they watch what I guess is called the morning moon together. Morning as in I am in mourning, not like good morning. Um, Thank you and for apparently, the clarification. Apparently it's a fey ritual of remembrance and I guess it's supposed to be like a meteor shower. This is where Oren tells Rip that she was stolen from Seventh Kingdom and she confirms that she's actually a fey from Anwen and not like Gee. a fey descendant from... You would think? Yeah. With the flesh ribbons and the fully you know, gold and so, the magic? So this is the part where like it's hard to distinguish between like what's real versus what the history and the stories that the people in the kingdoms are saying, because they've said that Anwen, which is the Fey realm has been around for like 200 years. So I knew obviously that Oren was Fey, but I thought maybe she was like human Fey. And so she just had, she was showing like, fey heritage not necessarily being full-blown fey full-blooded fey not full-blown and so but whatever she confirms that she was stolen from anwen so it's clear then that there's still people that know that anwen is around and so they will raid anwen to steal the fey and bring them back to the human realm um, which is not a part of the history that we're told what we're told is that the fey have um, betrayed the humans and they've disappeared and their kingdom is not around. So anyways, there's eventually something to uncover there. Blah, blah, blah. So she and um, Rip have a moment, but no kissy face. So before they reach Ranhold Castle, which is where Midas is, Rip tells her that if she doesn't want to go back to Midas, he can make it. So make it so. And Oren doesn't believe him um, and thinks Midas will do anything to get her back which is, you know, essentially start a war and kill a bunch of innocent people. And so she doesn't want that. And so she tells um, Rip that she wants to go back to Midas. She doesn't explain why. But she's basically like, I've always told you that I'm going to be loyal to him and I want to go back to him. And so Rip clearly is pissed and he like walks away. And it's clear at this point, at least, maybe not to her, but to us, the omniscient reader, um, that he has feelings for her. And she doesn't see him again until he's escorting her back to Midas. So King Rot shows up to negotiate with Midas and we see him display his power, um, which is basically there's all like the troop formations. And in between the spaces, he rots the ground underneath. So like you see troops and like rotted ground in between. And so like it's a show of his power because the ground that his troops are on doesn't get rotted but everything else does. Um, and so actually Oren feels his power and it makes her feel like really sick and nauseated and overwhelmed. So Oren is being escorted back to Midas on a horse um, and Osric is with her. And so and at the beginning of her encounter with Osric, he told her that whenever I see you, like you make me feel sick because she's a symbol of Midas's power. Um, and but obviously since then they've kind of bonded and Oscar tells her now or she asks him like do you still like hate me or do you still feel sick um when you see me and Oscar is like I do but it's for a different reason now and so at least I was led to believe that it's because you know she's upset rip by not deciding to stay with I think she like Army. disappointed the entire little the wrath crew. yeah they yeah. did because they're all they trained her, but they're, they were trying to like teach her about her independence and like owning mm -hmm. her power and like, so she didn't know, really true to herself. She yeah. didn't just let down rip by saying, Oh, I'm going to go back to Midas. She let down her new friend group. Yeah. And they were expecting so, more of her. I think they were sad to me. I took it as like, I'm sad because you haven't realized yeah. that you're being yeah. manipulated. You haven't realized the power you have yourself. Like they thought they were finally getting through to her and like maybe she would yeah. take a stance. But also I think because Oren's actually pretty benevolent. So while part of her, I think, is up until this point is still loyal to Midas, she also doesn't want anybody to die for her. 
And she feels like if they go to war, people are going to die and she doesn't want that. So, well, part, I think there's just as much of that as there is. I'm loyal to Midas, but she doesn't tell people that. They right. just I think, think that's she's her internal monologue that nobody will ever know. Exactly. Until hopefully later. We'll see. Um, so Oren's being squirted back to Midas. Rip eventually shows up to like escort her back. Um, and they kind of have a confrontation. Hmm, not really. They have a scene with Midas's guards. Um, and so she's on a horse and he's basically like, aren't you going to like pick her up and like get her off the horse? And so Midas's guards are like, no, like no one's allowed to touch her. So Rip, um, being Rip, um, and basically saying like, I can do whatever I want, goes and he grabs Oren off of the horse. And you're just kind of like, oh my God, like I felt my heart in my throat at this time. Um, I was like, oh my God, he's going to kiss her in front of everybody. Um, and so there's a lot of tension between the two of them. Um, but Oren, for whatever reason, she like pulls back, um, and he notices that and he gets super pissed. And so he like puts her down, um, and then he leaves. They like have a moment and then she just breaks it. Yeah. So Oren, um, is being escorted back to Midas through the castle, but like through like the back chambers and like the back hallways and like the secret tunnels. And she's kind of like, this is weird. Like, why isn't he out here? Like, didn't, didn't he miss me? Like, where is he? More um, of like a fanfare for my return. Exactly. She thinks she, he is tearing up the kingdoms. And I think he was searching for her, looking for her. And so to kind of be ushered in the back door, with little to no fanfare, and she hasn't even seen Midas at this point. Like you would think, he'd be the first thing that she sees upon her arrival. Right, she is, was expecting him to be standing there with open arms to be rushed yeah, to each other. And I think for it's that. starting to dawn on her that this this is not the way it should be. And so, well, she she realizes as this is happening that she's like, nobody knows that I'm not here. Wait, was this third book? Yes. And so, yes, it is this book. Um, okay. So finally, she's escorted She's escorted to Midas. And so he's there and, like, they have a reunion. And she's – what everything that has happened so far, like, really hits her. And, like, she starts to cry and, like, feel really overwhelmed. Not so much because she's seeing him, although she is happy to see him. But because it's, like, she's been through a lot. It's been a lot. She starts remembering Sale and Digby. Um, and she really just wants to, like, talk to him about the whole experience. Um, and she goes to, like, hug him. And he basically, like, stops her and holds her. And he's basically like, you're filthy. Like, I've missed you too, honey. But, like, you're kind of gross. Like, go I take a him. shower and, like, get some food. And then, like, we'll talk. And she's like, no, I want you to stay with me and talk to me. Like, I need to tell you about all these terrible things that have happened. And he's like, I can't. I don't have time. I need to go negotiate with king rot he's like but i got you a present and she's like oh my god you got me a present and so he walks her into like through his chambers and into his closet and he opens the door and the motherfucker has built her another cage in my head i pictured a bird cage like a yeah he's built her like a giant bird cage not of gold obviously because he doesn't have the power but of like whatever steel or iron um and she realizes that inside the cage is a decoy so he has led everybody to believe that um oren's been like with him this entire time but it's just really it's a gold painted woman that kind of like looks like her but clearly it's not her um and so he's been playing it off that she's been with him all this time um i feel like her fight or flight response finally stopped and she was able to process the emotions the trauma that she's endured and was like i need you to help hold me through this like we're coming down through this together and he's just like "Mm, glad you're back but go shower please don't touch me and no one even knows you were gone because i had this fake imposter here so just like you know scuttle in there and don't forget that he's still pretending like he's doing this for her yeah yes I got you even a safer cage now that no one can take you out of. No one will ever hurt you again. And she's like, no, it's okay. Like, I don't need a cage anymore. Like, I'm not scared of people. Like, you know, she's trying to convince him. Yeah. She's trying to convince him. 
she trained with the camp so yeah now she's stronger she knows how to use her ribbons she's a, a lot more independent and she's gotten that sense of freedom that she had mm-hmm. with the camp so i think Orin she's had- found her sense of freedom and independence and her own self-worth to be like oh no I'm, exactly. I'm good i can handle myself and so the thing is what's important is that because of her backstory and everything that she's um been through she's always wanted to be like kept safe and so she didn't kind of, she didn't mind being hidden but after this whole experience with like fourth army it's been like one or two months i guess that she's been with them Was it um, really she that realizes long? wow yep she realizes she can be out in the open and like take care of herself and she doesn't need to be hidden behind the gold bars um but midas is having none of that he's like no like I need to go negotiate. You need to stay in the cage. The grown-ups like, have work to do. Exactly. Please so go over here. Condescending asshole. Um, and she's like putting her foot down. She's like, no, I don't like, I don't want to be in a cage anymore. I cannot be in a cage anymore. And she's basically pleading with him. Um, and they get into like a physical altercation. Um where he's like dragging her into the cage and then like her glove falls off. She accidentally touches um, the decoy and the decoy turns into solid gold and she kills her. Um, Super unfortunate. And she starts turning a couple other things gold too um, because it's her touch. That's why she's like always covered and like wearing gloves or whatever. So like Midas is basically like, see what you did? think about what you did i need to go negotiate with king rot like have fun he locks the cage door he puts a bunch of guards in front of her and he goes off to negotiate with king rot um so he's in the throne room midas thinks he's gonna play a power move on king rot but king rot arrives late on purpose obviously he arrives with his commander who's in his full armor um you know, and the rest of the wrath. And so um, King Rod's basically like, oh yeah, cool. Let's go talk in the conference room, essentially. And so he leads them over there. Um, they kind of negotiate and they decide to become friends. I forgot there's a whole like male posturing scene, essentially going on. Um, like, My dick's bigger than your dick. Exactly. <laughs> I can't um, a British accent. <laughs> Midas is getting his ass handed to him during this negotiation because King Rot definitely has the power. Um, I thought you were about to say the bigger dick. (laughs) I mean, maybe. We don't know yet. We don't know yet, Bridget, although I have it on good authority that I will find out in this book. So anyways, they negotiate. They decide that they're going to be friendly, whatever, um, King Rot negotiates for like a certain piece of land. <laughs> Midas is trying to figure out why, but he can't. Whatever. So we go back to Orin. She's like in the cage. She's accidentally turning a bunch of stuff gold because um, she's like trying to get out. She realizes um, that the soldiers that are outside her door um, have witnessed her turning things gold. And she's like, oh shit. Um, they shouldn't have seen that. Um, there's reason that Midas keeps that power hidden. But then all of a sudden, the soldiers fall, die, pass out, and King Rot shows up to talk to her. Um, and he calls her Goldfinch. And he's basically like, do you know who I am? And she's like, yeah, you're King Rot or whatever. So they have a little bit of a conversation, um, but then he transforms in front of her. And we realize that King Rot is actually Commander Rip, and Commander Rip is King Rot. Dun dun dun. Um. So yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Figured it out a couple chapters previously. Um. And so Oren's kind of like, "What?" And so she accuses him of like lying to her and all this crap. And he's like, "I came because I heard you screaming." And she's like, "I wasn't screaming." Everything is fine. She's like trying to play it off. Um, that she's idea. been having a meltdown all this time because she doesn't want him to know that he's been right about her like being imprisoned again. And then um, Midas shows up and he's like, what are you doing? And <laughs> Rot's like, 
oh, well, I thought these were in my rooms. Oops, my bad. Um, I like I like a good King Rod energy. Like it's just, he, it brings something fresh to the table. He's great. He's that big dick energy into the story. He does. He does. He does. He does. He's just he really does. with his dick. <laughs> I mean, um, he is. <laughs> oh, actually, crap. I think I went into like the third book. Um, because actually, the second book ends with. Your King Ravenger, I breathed in her accusation because it's the only thought clanging through my bones and shrieking in my skull. Clearly, the book's a POV of Orin. And it's like Rip's mouth slowly pulls into a grin and he speaks with the dark, sensual stroke of a villainous purr that matches the glint in his eye. Yes, Goldfinch, I am, but you can call me Slade. Uh, and that's yeah, actually okay, how book two ends. Okay. So here- Rip, Slade, Rot, Ravenger, Lake, what do we call him? couple thoughts one i forget how cringy it is to hear it out loud and you're like ooh, <laughs> it's the purr the purr is what got me i was like ooh. i definitely like i should not be a narrator i can't listen to an audiobook because i could uh-uh. i don't think i'd be able to make it through i like but, when they yes. change your little voices to match the characters it cracks me up yes i love that uh your orin was whiny <laughs> Well, I mean, I was not going to expect anything less from Hilda after she complained about her for the entire first book. Right. So I do feel like all the names of this one guy. Like, all right. We got Commander Rip. We got Ravenger, King Rod, and now Slade. Slade is his actual name? Yeah, it's his first name. His name is Slade, Slade Ravenger. Ravenger. Okay. Slade his name is Rot Ravenger, a.k.a. Commander Rip. <laughs> He's like a superhero. It's what it sounds like. <laughs> Dwayne um, the Rock Johnson. <laughs> That's what I feel like it is. Um, Slade the nope. Rip. Rod- was really the Rip. I was called him the Rip. Slade the Slade Rock. The Ravenger. Mm. Oh God. Okay. So that's where the book ends. Um, another just random note. At the end of the first book, and then at the end of the second book, there's like this weird poem. Um. Which I'm not going to get into because it's it's a poem. Isn't it a poem about like the life as a fae or something? No, it's called Golden Gold Vine. Essentially, it's a miser um, that keeps trying to like, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be about greed and what happens when you're greedy. I.e. when you're like Midas. Um, so that's it. That was the end of book two. Um Sorry that I started going into book three territory, but I recently started book three, um, as in like a few hours ago. It's fresh on your brain. Yeah. I'm just, honestly, I just want to read to get to the good scene and then probably stop and wait another five days before I pick it back up again. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, thinking back to what Bridget said earlier, when she's like, you finished this book, what were your thoughts? And then I had thoughts. And so I'm, he- I'm eager to see if your thoughts are the same tracking with my thoughts on the okay. ending of this book. So I look well, forward to hearing your thoughts and comments, as I'm sure the dear the dear listeners do as well. Well, you know what's interesting is, like, so usually I'm the one that reads the books first, and um, and then I'm hounding you guys for, like, thoughts I mean, it might be better that way because I keep spoiling everything. So, <laughs> but in this one instance, in this one instance, I'm reading the book after you guys, and with the exception of, I think when I texted you guys yesterday, and I was like, I think Rip is rot, um, and I noticed you guys said nothing to that, so that just like further reinforced that I was right. I was literally like, gonna see. <laughs> I had it typed out, and I was like, no, this is way too obvious. I was like. What? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like how you can't even say it with like, what? No. I was like, I that's I know she's gonna read it that way. So I just There's like <laughs> I can't say anything because I feel like denying it would make you think, oh, it absolutely is true. Or if I told you, yeah, it's true, you'd be like, Well, you spoiled it. So I don't know what to say. So I just left it on red and then talked about skincare routine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, this seems like a good segue. (laughs) 
but I feel like I I'm not having so many thoughts that I like I want to engage in a discussion with you guys. So like, I think when, oh go ahead. Like when I finished Crescent City 2, I I I was like Caitlin. I was like, "Oh my god." I like flipped. I have not out. made it past since reading that book. I don't think we've made it to a recording session. We we are not referencing the ending of that book. It's but because yes. it's crazy. Like it's you, yes, that same energy is not here. That I no. need to talk about what just happened, which I think is present in some of our gold tier books, is not with this, which is surprising because so many people on Book Talk are like the bladed prisoner Obsessed. series. So I don't understand. And they're like, but if I do you like Akatar, you'll like the Plated Prisoner series. So I was like, okay. So in reference I, again, to Akatar, a different level in this book. I felt like the second book is very much like that second book of From Blood and Ash where they're traveling, their poppy is coming to her mm-hmm. realization that what she knows is not correct and the people who she's close with are actually assholes. So Oren is going through basically the same thing, but then also cut to um, Akatar where Feyre is learning how to defend herself and fight and you know becoming the person she is. It was like a mix between those two that Orin was going through that journey all in this book. And then she also had her little inner circle. So I can see where people can pull the similarities if they have read the Holy Trinity. But my Holy Trinity. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm like, that's the Holy Trinity. I Wait, what's the third, the, Holy what's Trinity. the third Trinity? Zodiac Academy. Yes, I do. Okay. So I, I want to say Throne of Glass, but it's just not... I can't put it up there just because of the spice level. Plot-wise, it's fantastic. See, I put it up yeah. there. I think it it makes up for the lack of spice in the plot. But It's still one of the best series I've ever read. But when it comes down to, like, if I'm going to talk about a podcast, everything in this podcast, I know at some point people have read the first two. And they will probably read Zodiac Academy by the time we're done with this podcast. Gotta. Oh I think God. again, someone talked it's the trash TV of books where you're like, this is so good. But it's it is. My it friend's is. on the fourth book right now, and she just <gasps> begged me to send her fan cast because she's too afraid to Google because she doesn't want to spoil. And I was like, just face yourself. The fourth book is where shit sh- shit hits the fan. Oh, and it's just God. shit going downhill from there. <laughs> you know what? It's really true. Like shit hits the fan and it just keeps <laughs> on fucking hitting. Like, like they they're merciless in books four through seven. Like the Twisted Sisters, merciless. I hope um, they know we call them the Twisted Sisters. I think so. We're not the only ones. I think we are. We the only one. We can't be the only. We're ones. not. No, we're not. We're not. I feel like other people have referenced them that way. Um, we say okay. it with love. Please send me an advanced reader copy of book eight. Yeah. Just just please give us the POV for like the chapter where they're in the pool. Caroline, Suzanne, we're like your secret besties. Right. Um, so I I don't think that this is holy trinity material. It's good. It's a good read. It's, what it's would good. you one of those Yeah, Up you like this read point, it what to, what star level are you giving it? Um, this book I would also give it a three and a half. Because I had like three and a half to four, just because I think Goodreads doesn't have and we're out of scale. five. Scales out of five. Yeah, yeah, out of five. Okay, out of five. I would give I'd it a three fair. and a half. I, I got some like there were definitely times that I had emotions, like, and I felt like what was happening. But it goes back to like I'm not obsessed with the series. Like seriously, like you're not emotionally hello, invested, and that's your problem. I had surgery. I did nothing for like five days. And I didn't pick up the book once. This might be the like, longest period. book, like the longest time I've seen you take to read a book ever. Yeah. I really think it is. Books one and two. No, because, you know, like I speed read. Like I will be up until like two, three o'clock in the morning until I say like, okay, I really need to get two hours of sleep. Or I'm gonna I do think book three is a lot better than one and two. Mm-hmm. But... I still not up there for tear wise, like one, two, three. I would have liked to 
have a deeper level explored and like she touches on really dark topics like there's a trigger warning that comes with this book and but i think i would have liked to have more i don't know i can't put it into words exactly but like more more oomph to it like more i I, that's the thing i think in this upcoming book that's going to come out you might get more of the oomph because i think the oomph lies in the so right but sometimes it just rubs me the wrong way when i gotta get to the fourth book for that to happen you know so that's why i got to the end of the third book and i was like there's no way there's just one more book it seems like it needs two more books in here to be able to wrap everything up well book two which is actually it's called glint um is only 472 pages um and so caitlin you were kind of getting to this i so i understand like what was happening with aaron's journey like i get it like she had slowly had to have the realization um that whatever Midas has fed her has been lies you know she's being manipulated you know she's becoming friends with like all these people like I get what happened I don't feel like there was enough like internal dialogue monologue for her to have that realization like she had it I know what we were building towards but I don't. I feel like it kind of happened quickly, because there wasn't there wasn't enough in the book. First, we complain Poppy has too many in her. Mind. I know, I know, no, but it's just like or no, doesn't have any. <laughs> like it's just like it's almost like it happened. It happened too quickly. Like yeah, things happened to lead up to it, but I don't feel like her. I don't know. I feel like instead of going into depth. It was more like a summary. And we got like key highlights, but not the full story. I can see that. I think I would have liked to have seen the full story unravel yeah. as we're furthering the plot. Like it just felt like we're here and then we're going to go back and show you the scene and then we're going to come back to where we were. And, and I don't know. I just felt like the growth was very Quick. slow at times and then fast at the others. Like it just. So book three, which is gleam is 674 pages and i will say i just looked it up real quickly it looks like everything concludes in book four book four will make it a complete series oh how many pages God. is it do you know uh please hold in my head i'm trying to think of everything that happened in book three and how many storylines they need to wrap up and keep it in your head yes <laughs> So the next one's called Glow, in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Which, by names. the way, the covers of these books are pretty. Like, Oh, I thought you said we're gonna be, you were going to say it wasn't pretty. I was like, no, don't even say that. Book like, talk is going to come after us. They're super, like, beautiful and artistic. I'm like, like, they're cool AF. Yeah, so it looks, it doesn't really give too much more. Um, other than it's book four, four, um, and May nineteenth is the drop date, so we're getting close. May nineteenth. Yep, yeah, May nineteenth. So the spoiler when you look it up on Amazon says, or the book synopsis says, rot may bring death. Dot dot dot. But gold will come alive. <laughs> and it says pre-order That's, today. That is really terrible. <laughs> okay. That's that's a terrible synopsis. Yeah, but I guess you can't really give too much away. I don't know. It's not great. It's not great. Okay. Well, I guess in conclusion. To conclude today's thesis. If I was writing an essay, like, it's not a bad series. But it's not my favorite. I think sometimes the heaviness of the topic outweighs the enjoyment I get from it. Because even when Zodiac Academy is giving me, like, the painful parts of it, like, it's still enjoyable in a way. This felt, like, just tough. Tough to get through. And I think that kind of ruined the magic for me. But, again, others, others really loved it and it's on their top tier. 
I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. Just saying it wasn't not my favorite. Not my favorite food on the plate. It's just one of those books that I'll read it. It hits some of the tropes I like. It, you know, does its job and we move on with life. Yeah. We'll it's not move something on. I will it's- reread. Um Will I read the next book? Heck yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I still want to know what happens. Will Um, I die on the hill and tell everyone to go read it? No, I will not. Will I do that for Zodiac Academy? Yes, I will. Um, Okay, so in conclusion, read it, but it's okay if you don't love it. Um, So, Do you like this book better than the last book? I do like this book better than the last book, but I still don't love it. Um, let That's me see. fair. Oh, okay. So we did get a release date. Um, <laughs> this title for a light in the flame, which is book two of the Flesh and Fire series, which is the prequel of the From it's Blood and Ash series. Nictos, right? So yeah. So. Long intro to say, Daddy Nikdos and Sira are coming back on November 15th, uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> if you haven't pre-ordered, um, feel free to pre-order from your favorite retailer. Um, I already pre-ordered mine. Um, so, yeah. Okay. All uh, right. So, that concludes the... Oh, go, go ahead, Bridget. <laughs> I was just going to say, all you people that trash JLA... You better be thanking her now for bringing out this book in 2022. Yes. Yeah. For giving us not one, but two books this year. Thank you, JLA. See the work, JLA. JLA? JLA. Look at me renaming her. It's Geo George. Whatever. Jeff. Whatever we decide. Jeff. Joe. (laughs) So this concludes the Plated Prisoner series book two by Raven Kennedy. Um, If you guys liked it, Tell us. If you didn't like it, also tell us. You can find us at booktalkmademe underscore pod on Instagram to share your thoughts or comments, um, and we will get back to you. I mean, you clearly know how we feel about it, but maybe we're wrong. Maybe there's something we're missing. Maybe there's a trope we haven't touched on yet. Tell us what you think. Um, We'll be back once Hilda finishes book three, (laughs) three. uh, where the magic happens, finally. Finally. Well, that's not a spoiler because you know we're building to it. Um, or does it? <laughs> Bridget, Hilda would kill me if, I would, if nothing happened. I would murder you. <laughs> so this concludes for today's episode, but we'll see you guys soon. We talk book three of the Plated Prisoner series. So we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.